She began Stacy Foundation in 2001 in honor of her daughters and through this tragedy. The Lord touched her heart with his guidance and she became a voice for him. She teaches on forgiveness at a level that few of us can ever understand and really don't ever want to. Throughout the years, Lorraine and Christie's story has gained international recognition. Lorraine and Christie, her daughter, has been they've been featured on national and local television programs such as America's Most Wanted, The Montel Williams Show, I Survived, Discovery Health, and In Focus. Lorraine has been interviewed by several radio talk show hosts, including Frank Pastore, the Frank Pastore Show, Cherie um, O'Malley, and Barbara Fallis of Words to Live By through the RBC Ministries, and WLW 700 Radio by our own Bill Cunningham. Lorraine and Christy have also been interviewed by several print publications such as Chat Magazine, Christian Voice Magazine, um, that's Life and Today's Christian Woman. Lorraine has been vocal about her daughter's case and continues her victim advocacy offering the impact of victimization seminars to victims, law enforcement agencies, victim witness programs, prosecuting and defense attorneys, universities, political science and students, churches and prisons. Lorraine and her family were dealt a life sentence and have chosen to live, by, live it by striving for positive change. Lorraine has been featured and a keynote speaker in several venues across the country with NOVA International, Organization Victims Association, IACP, International Association with Chief of Police and multiple Christian conferences to name a few. Please join me in welcoming Lorraine as we hear her gripping testimony. Good morning. Wow, there's a lot of you here. I didn't realize that. <laughs> um, if you had known the journey that God was going to call you to walk as a younger me, would you have embraced it? <laughs> I wouldn't have either. But I was blessed with two beautiful daughters, Stacy and Christy. They brought a lot of joy into my life. They still bring a lot of joy into my life. And Stacy was very extroverted, very outgoing, loved people, loved to make new friends. And she was also her own person. I came home one day to discover she had dyed her hair green. <laughs> I was livid. What have you done, Stacy? She looked at me and she said, it isn't easy being green. <laughs> Who are you? She said, it's just hair, Mom. But what she was really saying was, I'm not a follower. And I can't conform to the way the kids want me to. I can't do what they, what they want me to do and be the person they want me to be. I have to be who I am. 
this is coming from a 12-year-old. I'm like, how did you get so wise? She didn't answer me. And I still had to deal with this green hair for about two weeks before it finally washed out. But I was constantly reminded, it isn't easy being green. Hence the green shirt, no. <laughs> Christy, my, my younger daughter, was just the opposite. Very introverted, very shy. And oftentimes would get herself into trouble and expect Stacy and Stacy would take up for her. She was never outgoing in, in her own form, uh, very, very shy. But they were two different individuals, and God taught me a lot through my kids. And then one day, tragedy stuck, struck our family. A young man whom I didn't know, who had been stalking us for two weeks that I didn't know about, came into our home, knowing Stacy was home alone, and tried to attack her. She was able to fight him off, but the third attempt, he pulled a knife and stabbed her in the chest, piercing her heart twice. She stumbled across her, the hallway into her sister's bedroom floor where she collapsed and died while he stood there and watched. He was angry because he had been rejected by a 16-year-old girl who wouldn't date him. And he was mad at my family for whatever reason. And so instead of leaving, he waited for my 14-year-old daughter, Christy, to come home and opened the door for her, invited her into her own home. And she walked past her bedroom into Stacy's bedroom trying to find her sister. And when she turned, she discovered her dead body. He forced Christy to the basement where he sexually assaulted her. He bound her with her own shoestrings then took another pair of shoestrings and strangled her, then pulled the same knife he had stabbed Stacy with, cut both of her wrists, slashed her throat repeatedly, and stabbed her twice in the stomach. This was one angry young man. My fiancé came home and found both girls. I later arrived home to a massacre in my house and learned that... Um, Stacy had been murdered, and Christy was in the hospital and wasn't expected to live. After being detained by the police for over two hours, I finally was taken to the hospital and had to wait to see her until 11 o'clock that night. She was in surgery for five hours. The trauma surgeon came in and said, um, if she does survive, she will likely not walk or talk again. I don't think they expected Christy to live. She was hanging by a thread. It was the trauma surgeon who had to tell me what had happened to my daughter. When I got to see her that night, I didn't expect her to live either. And I just cried out and cried out and cried out to God, take me instead of her. She has everything to live for. But God gave me my daughter back. And five days of being in the hospital, she left the hospital walking and talking with absolutely no disabilities. I kept telling my daughter, God has a purpose for you greater than what you can imagine. I don't know why he took, took Stacy's life or allowed Stacy's life to be taken, not that he took it. But for whatever reason, he's left us here. Christy, when the doctors told me that she would likely never walk or talk again, 
They thought her esophagus and vocal cords had been severed, and they thought her spinal cord had been severed as well. The doctor had to piece her neck back together and then open her from her navel to her sternum to find out what vital organs had been damaged and the extent of the damage, only to find the esophagus vocal cords had not been touched. The wounds were all superficial, which took 60 stitches in her neck. When they opened her abdomen, they found the small intestine had been nicked and took three stitches, but it took 25 staples to sew her stomach up. These are scars that she carries and will carry the rest of her life. The physical scars, the mental scars you can't see. They also told me that she would possibly never have children because the attack was so brutal. But I hung on to God. There had to be a purpose in this. The man that did this was found guilty and sentenced to death in the state of Virginia. And I became a very, very angry person. I didn't know I could be, I didn't know I could hate somebody so much. And that hatred began to take over my life. And I realized that I was giving him control. I was giving Satan control. Even though I was praying my heart out to God, my heart became a heart of stone. And as we all know, a heart of stone can't breed love and compassion. A heart of stone breeds anger and malice and revenge. And that's what I wanted. I wanted him to suffer a thousand times, times a thousand, times a thousand more than my girls had suffered. Because I, think he, I thought he deserved it. I suffered through this tragedy for seven years, holding on to the grief and the anger and the pain. And time and time again, I tried to lay that anger at the cross, and I just kept taking it back because it was what I knew. It was what I was comfortable with. And I wasn't about to give him the glory of seeing me not be angry, him being the perpetrator. As time went on, God found ways to intervene in my life with healing. And finally, after seven years, I was able to let go and surrender the grief and the anger and the revenge that I sought. And I was finally able to, to lay it at the, at the foot of the cross, not by my own power, but by God's power and his mercy and grace. And after I let go of that, I thought, man, this is awesome. This is great. And I heard God say, you're free from the bondage of grief. And I have plans for you that you know nothing about. And I told the Lord, I said, you can't use me because I'm broken. I'm cracked. I'm chipped. I'm shattered. There's nothing that you can use that I have to give you. And Jeremiah 29, 11, I know you all know this verse, came into my mind time and time and time again. I, I started embracing this verse, this, this scripture that God was giving me. Okay, Lord, if you have such a big plan for me, I'll serve you. And I'll go wherever you send me. And I'll do whatever you ask me to do, as long as I know you're there and that you go before me and behind me. Well, God made good on that promise, so be careful what you ask for. <laughs> the next thing I know, he's talking about something I have no idea how to give him. He's talking about forgiveness. No, Lord, ain't happening. He doesn't deserve my forgiveness. He doesn't deserve to be called a human being. He doesn't deserve to breathe the air on this earth. And you need to take him out. And I, I, I demanded that from the Lord for a long time. And finally one day he convicted me and he says, and what do you deserve? 
talking about talking me, knocking me to my knees. Lord, I don't deserve anything. You gave the one thing that was so precious to you, to the world you created, and we nailed him to a cross because it was your plan. What do we deserve that's greater than his glory? Nothing, absolutely nothing. But I realized I was called to serve him, and I realized I needed to change my attitude. And I said, what are you asking me, Lord? What do you want me to do? He says, I'm asking you to forgive. I can't do that. I won't do that. I'll serve you any other way, but I won't do that. So instead of, you know, going down the straight path, I'm going around it and justifying my actions. The Lord said, I'm asking you one thing. I said, I can't do that. And he says, I know. You can't do it alone. But with me, you can do all things. I said, why do you have to keep giving me scripture on things I'm supposed to do? I, I, okay, Lord, I, I get it. I, I get it. But you're going to have to help me because I can't do this by, by, on my own. I can't do this by myself. So the Lord started putting people in my path and in my life. And it always came around. Conversations always came back to forgiveness. It's like, why do you keep doing that? Well, the Lord had a plan. And he knew that plan. If I had known as a child where my life would lead, because we talk about growing up and having kids and getting married and what we're going to do for a career, but do we ever stop and think about what is the journey that God has for me? What purpose has he called me to fulfill in order to serve him? We don't always think about that. Little did I know what he had called me for. But back to the forgiveness I started looking up scriptures on forgiveness and I started talking to people about it with a more open mind. And I began to realize I had to do this in order to continue my healing process. And so finally I started, okay, Lord, I don't like him very much. Matter of fact, I don't like him at all. But I'll pray. So I would pray. Forgive me, Lord, for I know I've sinned. I know I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a sinner, and I know that you died for my sins. But that's good enough, right? No. You know how God keeps nudging you and nudging you and nudging you? <sighs> okay, Lord, I get it. I, I, I need to be more um, obedient, more open-minded. And as I begin to pray, I begin to get on my knees and pray. And I would pray for him as, as God, you know who I'm talking about. He can't skim over the surface because he digs deeper and deeper and deeper. And finally, one day, I was able to pray for this man. And what I heard myself praying blew me away. Because I began to realize God loves him just as much as he loves me. Just as much as he loves Stacy and Christy. Every one of us. We are his children. And God began to show me this person in human form. I didn't like it, but I knew it was true. And finally, nine years to the day of the the tragedy, God and I were having a conversation in the early morning hours, and I knew I was right at the brink of crossing the threshold to forgiving this man. And he says, what's holding you back? 
And I said, well, I'm afraid if I forgive him, then it makes it okay. He says, I never told you you had to forget. Okay, that makes it easier. And so that morning, in conversation with Lord, with the Lord, I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to surrender everything I've got to you, and I'm going to forgive him. And I forgave Paul Powell, the name I couldn't speak for nine years. And it was like God lifted a blanket off of me. It was like the light came on. I came flying out of that bed. I woke up my husband, 4 o'clock in the morning. He was startled to know and He's like, what are you doing? And I said, I forgave him. I forgave him. My husband wasn't on this journey with me when it happened. He came in later. He goes, wow, you're glowing. I'm like, really? <laughs> this is awesome. The Holy Spirit is here. But I never, I, can't, I, can't, I wish I could explain to you and, and have you feel the experience that I had of being free, totally free from the bondage that this man had created in our lives. It didn't bring Stacy back. It won't change what happened to Christy. But God worked a miracle and gave me miracle after miracle. We came up, um, it came up for time for this man, bless you, to be executed by the state of Virginia. And I was trying to figure out where I stood on the principles of what was going to happen with my faith, with his life. And I realized I had to, get, again, surrender this to God because I didn't want his blood on my hands. We all have the freedom to choose, and every choice has a consequence. And we're not left to not suffer those consequences. We suffer too. But the choices he made were the wages of death. His sin was that great. I found that he had become a Christian in prison, and I said, Lord, you can't reform a murderer. Really? Has anybody read Acts? Ironically, his name was Paul, too. But I began to read that story, and I began to realize that God can do anything. Why am I putting him in this little box and expecting him to stay there? And I said, okay, Lord, if he's really a Christian, then show me. Show me who he is in your eyes. So we got to talk to him the day before the execution. We're on the phone with the prison. We're in um, an office. And he begins to talk about what he had done. And he begins to say how sorry he was. And it wasn't what I was hearing as much as what I was feeling. The Holy Spirit was so powerful in that room that I knew he was telling me the truth for once, probably for the first time. And I began to say, Lord, he's your child. He's your son. And I remember at the end of the conversation, I, I told Paul, I said, you know, Paul, I, didn't, I hated you for so long and yet God turned my heart around and showed me who you are in his eyes and that you are so loved that you are so precious and now that you have a relationship with him I know in my heart that when you pass from this life to the next life to be with, with Christ Stacy will be there to welcome you home and I'll see you when I get. I'll see you in heaven when I get there. I had no plans to say any of that. I went in there to that meeting to ask questions that I felt I needed answers to, but that wasn't God's plan. 
the next day we witnessed the execution. Most, second most horrible thing I've ever seen in my life besides my girls being attacked and having to bury my daughter. But I watched this man being strapped to an electric chair because that was his choice. And I watched his demeanor. I watched his, his body language. And I had prayed that God would give us a way, or at least for me, to be out of the witness room where I could see him and he could see me with no um, blockage there. But the prison wouldn't allow that. But when Paul took this, the chair, his eyes were diverted in our direction the whole time. And I feel like God gave us a portal hole to that one-way mirror that, that uh, Paul could see us and we could see him with no barriers. And then he was killed. But I had told him we were going to pray him through the execution, and we did. We stood there and prayed with the warden standing behind us, with prison staff standing behind us, with our prosecuting attorney standing there with us, and 50 witnesses in the other room, we prayed him through that execution. I watched my daughter and felt her tremble as she cried. She wasn't where I was. She wanted him to suffer, which we believe he did. But I also believe that God only had him suffer for just a few seconds before he took his life. The next day, during the conversation with Paul, I had mentioned, I said, Paul, I've heard you talk about this, but I haven't heard you talk about forgiving yourself. Forgiveness is a powerful tool that we all have the capability of doing if we'll just reach out to God and ask for help. But I'd not heard Paul mention forgiveness of himself. And I brought it up in the conversation at some point during our, our talking to him. And his comment was, I can't not, I cannot, nor will I ever forgive myself for what I did to your family. I deserve what I'm getting. The next day, we're driving home from the execution, and his, his attorney called, who we made friends with, was a strong Christian man, and he said, Lorraine, how are you doing? And I said, I can't answer that question right now. I'm so numb, I, I can't even feel. He said, well, you know, I spent the whole day with Paul, and all he talked about with his family was how you forgave him. And he has one more message for you. And I said, really? And he said, yeah. He wants you to know he forgave himself. Forgiveness is a powerful tool, and you never know. You never know by offering just a small fraction of forgiveness how you're going to affect somebody else's life or your own. Remember I said that I, if, if God would heal me, I would follow him anywhere? God has such a sense of humor. <laughs> One day out of the blue, he says... I want you to go into prison ministry. And I said, <laughs> no. <laughs> we ain't going there. I don't have any desire to go in prison and talk to those people. And he said, well, who are those people? You know, those people that commit crimes and do horrible things and, and belong where they belong. He says, well, what makes you so different from them? There's a very fine line, Lorraine. Boy, he can humble you in a second, can't he? And he did. And I said, really, prison ministry? He says, I want your story told. I want my story told of what I've done in your life. I'm like, nope, sorry, can't do it. I ran from him for months, and I ran hard. 
where is Nineveh? Because here I come. <laughs> Put me in the, bell of a, the belly of a whale because I'm okay with that, not going into prison. Please, Lord, don't send me there. But finally, because of that, he just nudges and nudges and nudges and nudges, and he won't let you, you know, stop. He won't leave you alone. It's like, okay, Lord. So he finally, he sent me to a women's prison in Columbus, and I told the lady that called me three times, I don't do that. She says, well, what will it take to get you here? I said, you couldn't pay me a million bucks. She says, good, because I don't have it. Just come and talk. I'm like, God, Lord, okay, just, I'll do it if you'll just leave me alone. So I did it. And what I saw were women just like yourselves. But what you don't see is the brokenness, the chipped, you know, facade, the, the, the shattered, cracked people that we are. But God opened my eyes in that place, and what I saw were women who were mothers and daughters and sisters and aunts and friends. I had a mother and daughter sitting right in front of me in the same prison at the same time. We all have a calling, and mine just happens to be prison ministry. But I'm very honored to be here and talk to you and share this story today. When I told you God gave us miracles, I do, I do travel the United States speaking in prisons, by the way, but that's not all I do for the Lord. But um, God gave us miracles. And for 30, for, excuse me, for 29 years, at the, Christy, at the age of 29, 15 years later, gave birth to a baby girl. <laughs> God told me she would have kids, and I said, really, can I tell her that? And he says, no. <laughs> Is there anything I can do? Kesley was born, my granddaughter. She's 19 months old today. And six months after she was born, Christy got pregnant again, and we have a brand-new grandson who's four months old. <laughs> so God gives, you know, God blesses us in ways we can't begin to imagine. I hope that my testimony has blessed you in some way and that the darkness doesn't overshadow the light because God is the light. He's awesome. He's He's amazing. I'm, I'm honored to serve him. I'm honored to share this, this, this testimony. And I'm honored to walk this path. Sorry. I'm trying to watch the time. Um, I, I'm, I'm truly honored. I'm truly, truly honored. And I thank you for allowing me to come today. I do want to give um, um, a little bit of um, information about this book. It's a Bible study for women. It's the Ruth and Naomi experience. And I uh, was able, blessed to be able to contribute three chapters of this book. Um, it is for sale, which will benefit the Stacy Foundation because we do a lot of traveling and um, have expenses. If you're so inclined, the books are for sale. Uh, there's bookmarks on the table. I'm, I'm free to talk to anybody if you have any questions or, or want to you know, share something about your story. Um, I think I've covered it all. I hope so. So thank you, ladies. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here today. God bless you. <laughs> Well, I have to say, I am Christy, but I'm not her daughter. But my middle name is Lorraine, so do you think God kind of had a plan in that? 
And I want to share with you a song that's new to me. It might be new to you as well, but God led me to this song uh, after reading about your experience, Lorraine. But I have to say that it's really ministered to me, and I hope it'll minister to you too. It is called Finally Free by Nicole Nordeman. No chain is strong enough, no choice is wrong enough, no mountain high enough that he can't climb, no shadow dark enough, no night is black enough no road is lost enough that he can't find and if the sun has set us free then we must be free indeed let the chains fall away starting today everything has changed i'm finally No pain is deep enough, no heart can bleed enough, nothing but Jesus' love can make a way. And if the sun has set us free, then we must be free indeed. Let the chains fall away, starting today. Everything has changed. I'm finally Let freedom ring, and we shall be free indeed. Let the chains fall away, starting today, and everything can change. Everything has changed. I'm finally free.
I don't know about you, but I can hardly breathe right now. <laughs> so amazing. God's grace through forgiveness. Is there anyone here who has not been wounded by someone? Is there anybody here that needs to forgive someone? The spirit of forgiveness, it's a spirit, and we need to carry it with us always. Lorraine, I just, um, I know you didn't, when you had hopes and dreams as a young girl, never expected this in your life, nor do we know what lies ahead for any of us. Forgiveness is essential because we're promised that if we don't forgive, we're not forgiven. So, Jesus is the answer, and I, I just look at um, everything as we pray for each of these meetings, how everything is bound together very tightly, woven together. And in the scripture that you gave, Suzanne, the... Um, when you said darkness is light to you. Darkness is light to you. That really stood out to me. And then you sang that <laughs> kind of as well. Um, if any of you have not accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, I invite you to. Because he is the only answer in this darkened world. He is the alpha, the omega, and everything that's in between. So, if you would like to bow your head and pray with me. Pray this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and that you rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want, you, I want to trust and follow you, you as my Lord and my Savior. It's in your precious name. Amen. If you've prayed that for the first time, we have a book here for you if you would like to come up and get one. Um, <clears throat> this is just something I saw on Facebook and it just seems to apply to me. As his spirit hovers over the earth, as his people cry out, as the eastern gates wait, as the fragrance of our praises rise, as the worship of our hands go up, as our eyes look up to the hills, so cometh our help. Amen. Okay, this has been so much fun. <laughs> so next week's speaker will be Meg Perez. Come and hear how this captive was set free by God's amazing grace and the story of divine rescue. And I, I just have, it's just been on my heart as you were speaking, Lorraine, that, I mean, we, and we my husband and I, have been hit by a heroin driver. He was, he just... Passed out, Odin. If you know someone that you see is in trouble, go to them. Be propelled with Jesus' love to help and to do what you can 
to love, show God's love, pour it out as a blessing on, on other people. Uh, thank you. Please come back next week in Jesus' name. I love you all.